This is the Education Business Podcast for consultants and business owners providing services in schools. I'm Claire Riley, and I'll be sharing how to start, grow, and scale your education business. Back at the beginning of 2021, I joined Clubhouse. Maybe I met you on there as well. Well, you won't find me on Clubhouse anymore, but I did meet some wonderful people there, one of whom I'm interviewing today. So the first time I heard Samantha give education business advice, I thought, oh, she just makes so much sense. And I followed her journey throughout the past year and encouraged her to launch her own podcast as well, Upgrade Your Education Business, which went live at the beginning of 2022. So who is Samantha? Well, she's founder of Upgrade Your Education Business. She's a former teacher turned private tutor, and she's also been a qualified business trainer for over 15 years. Now, Samantha currently supports education businesses and tutors to design their businesses in a way that works for them. So I'm delighted that for today's episodes, you're going to eavesdrop on two friends chatting education business. Samantha, welcome so much to Education Business Podcast. Thank you for having me, Claire. So... This is actually the first time I'm recording a guest episode on Education Business Podcast. I nearly said welcome to the Teachers Podcast, as I was quite confused. Um, So we've known each other quite a while now, and we met on Clubhouse. So really, it's just going to be a chat that we have that we let other people listen to. Does that sound okay? Sounds great, yeah. You You were obviously a teacher before, and now you're in business. So what is it that made you go into business in the first place? Well, I, I was actually in business since I was quite young, since I was 22 when I graduated. And I always had that dream, I suppose. I always wanted to be my own boss. And, you know, that's always been in me. But I, I suppose I grew up with the mentality that running your own business isn't safe. It's not stable. You can't rely on it. So I built up this career and just put my business on the side. It was always just something I did on the side. But when I was teaching, um, as with a lot of teachers, as much as I adored the job, it wasn't brilliant for my health. It wasn't good for my life. And so I suppose it was a two pronged thing. It was partly because it was my exit plan. It was the way to leave teaching while having an opportunity to continue doing something I love. But, you know, just having a bit of headspace. So I didn't actually say, right, I'm setting up a business. I just became a tutor because it was something I could hit the ground running with and I, I needed space. I didn't want to be, you know, working in on a separate project or I'm jumping from the fire to the fire, frying pan. But also it did fulfill that ambition of wanting to be my own boss and that being my full time thing. It was the first time I'd, I'd done it. And so that also formed part of my exit plan why I wanted to leave teaching. Okay, so. So you left school and you went into business and you're in the corporate world. How did how did you transition into teaching from that then? So in the corporate world, I was a business trainer. So I've always been involved in learning and development in some shape or form. Um, and then I did move into things like project management where I was less on the ground. But I come from a family of teachers and I had this almost romantic mm. idea that, oh, when I when I grow up and I have children, I'll go into <laughs> teaching because it's perfect. You get the school holidays, you know, that kind of naive thought. 
Um, but what happened, it was really practical, actually. I, I was finishing a contract and the recession hit and my my market got hit really badly. So I decided to bring those plans forward and go into teaching. And I think I decided on like a Monday and I was in my first placement on, on a Thursday to get the pre-experience to apply for the course. So it was it was a quick decision, but it was always something that was there at the back of my mind. And the transit, the only real transition was the fact that I wasn't standing in a room full of adults. Instead, I was with teenagers and I had behavior management tools at my disposal. You know, you can't say to an adult, put that phone away. I'm confiscating it. So, you know, I was <laughs> yeah. able. To, so that was really the only diff, main difference at first. But obviously through the profession, I, I learned so much. It's been really, really valuable. Yeah. So in some ways, it wasn't really that much different. It was just in a different setting. Yeah, it was more probably a sidestep. It, it was very different in lots of ways, but not in other ways, because my job, or at least my core job, was to transfer learning, essentially. So, you know, it, it wasn't like I went from something completely different, that it was a huge challenge, but it was still really challenging because teaching has so many nuances that adult training doesn't have. So do you feel, so So you were kind of a teacher before you became a teacher, mm. but do you feel like teaching changed you at all in your views of business? Of business? I mean, teaching changed me, absolutely changed me and made me a better trainer. So I still do a bit of corporate training on a freelance basis and I get really good feedback, better feedback mm. than I did before. And people remember me. They're like, I've never seen this style of training before. To a teacher, they wouldn't bat an eyelid. But in the corporate world, there isn't that cohesion in terms mm. of learning principles, how people learn. There isn't really isn't much depth. It's a it's a tick box. We need to cover X, Y, and Z. We only have five hours to do it. Let's book a day for training. So the approach is very different. So I, I definitely learned a lot as a person. And I suppose a lot of it has actually transferred to business. For example, one of the things you, you know, you really get trained on, especially as a secondary school teacher, is to be outcome driven. So let's say two children don't do their homework. For one child, setting a detention would absolutely work. They would never not do their homework again. For another child, they wouldn't turn up to the detention anyway. So if your outcome that you're being driven by is I want this child to value the homework to actually do it, then you need to take an approach that's going to fulfill that outcome as opposed to being stuck on the process. And I transfer that over to business. So I do run my own tuition business and I do have a waiting list. And so I thought maybe I should hire teachers. Maybe I should set up group classes, lots of group classes. And then I realized, well, hang on, what's the outcome I want? The outcome is actually that I do want to earn more, but I also want to work less. Setting up group classes isn't going to tick that box. Hiring mm -hmm. teachers is not going to tick that box. And so it's actually allowed me to make much better business decisions that are really aligned with what I want out of my business. And I would say that that mindset has come from what I've learned through being a teacher. Mm. So you were in somebody else's business first, but you trained on business. Then you're a teacher and now you've got your own business. So often when teachers leave the classroom like me and settle the business, they're like, oh my word, what on earth am I doing? Mm -hmm. what, because you already had quite a lot of knowledge about business. How did that help you and support you? But also maybe like, were there 
any hindrances that you saw at the same time because you knew things that maybe others don't? Um, well, first, the first thing that you, you know, you just asked about was how did it help? Well, ways that it actually helped was I didn't make fundamental mistakes that I made the first time around when I set up my business. So to give you an idea, I set up my first business in 2004. And at that time, most of my clients came through the yellow pages. Um, social yeah. media marketing wasn't really a huge thing. People only use social media as a portfolio, really, to showcase their work. And there really wasn't much free support out there. And I didn't have any money. I had a student loan and I didn't have a job. So I had to learn everything by just doing and experimenting. And so the scene has completely changed now. You know, the landscape's very different. But there are certain things that I just knew not to do this time around. So the very first time, I went in cheap. I went in cheap because you think, oh, you know, I'm competing with so many people, haven't got any experience. People will be attracted to that cheaper price and it reflects the fact that I'm a new business. But then what becomes really difficult that I learned is that later on when you are experienced and you want to increase your prices, it gets really difficult mm. because you've already set a standard. So when I set up my tuition business and when I set up Upgrade Your Education business, I didn't make that mistake. Even though I started by giving people a discount I knew it was a price I was happy with and I knew that I could honour that historical price with them because I was happy with it. So I didn't have to increase their prices, didn't have to have that conversation, but I wasn't suffering as a result of it either. So there were certain things that allowed me this time around, I suppose, to future-proof my business a little bit, to think a little bit more strategically rather than thinking of what am I doing right now? I thought about how will this affect me tomorrow? In terms of hindrance, um, I'd probably say no, there probably weren't any hindrances, only because, like with everyone, you know, we go on a journey, don't we? And wherever we are right now is almost this result of the journey that we've so far been on. And we learn from mistakes, we make mistakes, we learn from successes. So I wouldn't say any of it's been a hindrance, because if it hadn't been for my past experience... I wouldn't be able to do what I do now and the way I do it. Yeah, I love that. I'm all for um, learning from past experience. I was I was writing something today, just kind of saying, it took me five years from leaving teaching, like in a um, sort of in an official capacity. So from a teaching job to becoming full-time at Classroom Secrets, five years is a long time. And I could say, oh, I really wish I'd done it faster. But actually... I really appreciated all the experiences because I did a lot of supply in that time at the same time and I um, went to so many schools and I, I tutored as well and uh, taught different children and I used all of that and implemented it into Classroom Secrets so you have to take the gift of the journey don't you more than anything. You do and I'm the same as you when I look back on it I sometimes think oh I could have got here faster uh, or I could get to my next step faster but I've learned so much from that journey. I've built so many relationships that if I had sped up, then I actually wouldn't be where I am right now. And I'm not saying that I'm in this really high successful position, but I certainly, I'm happy with where I am. I'm genuinely happy. And I wouldn't be so happy if I hadn't built that foundation beforehand. And building a foundation takes time. Mm. And they say, don't they, um, it takes 10 years to build an overnight success. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's 10 years worth of working. 
So Classroom Secrets is nine years old, so just watch your space in the next year. <laughs> um, but yeah. Okay, so you talk quite a bit about designing your own business, which I find really interesting because, you know, you said that um, you were in teaching and you moved to business and then you thought, how do I grow this business? Do I want to get more teachers to help me? But actually, no, because that's not going to be how I want my business to be. So I, I'm already seeing this designing your own business play out in your life already. So how does that work? Is it is it about designing your business around the lifestyle you want or designing your business around the outcome that you want, say, if it's monetary or a particular thing in your business, or is it just everything? It's everything, in in my opinion. Um designing your business it it manifests in so many different ways um and i think the absolute core of it for me is that when you set up a business whether you seek advice or not your typical thing is to focus on your target audience their pain points how can you serve them but and all of that's important but as business owners i think it's really important for us to consider what experience do we want as a business owner what are our pain points how can our businesses relieve those pain points? So to me, that's at the core, because if you're not getting what you want out of your business, you may as well work for an employer. And I know that sounds really kind of either or, and it doesn't mean that at every point in your business, it has to be perfect. But as long as you know that you're on your way to getting it to a place where you want. Right now, I'm working harder than I want to work, but it's an investment because I am moving towards the place that I want. And actually, where this whole concept of designing a business came from for me was when I left teaching, I made a promise to myself. And for the very first time in my entire career, I decided I would decide what I wanted my life to look like. How much do I want to work? What hours do I want to work? Do I want to work weekends, evenings, down to a real granular level? And I worked backwards from that and I built something that gave me that. Whereas before that, I was always thinking about what's my next career move? What's my next business launch? And my life had to fit around that. That came first. And so that's where this idea of design your business was, was born. But it does manifest in so many different ways. So let's say you want to launch a course. You can go to places that will give you a formula. It will say, do it in five steps and you're done. I don't really like working like that because I think that everyone's different. So those five steps might not work for me. And so it even manifests in a way where you're thinking, I'm not just designing offers the way I run my business, but I'm even deciding, I'm designing how I get there as well. So yeah, I think designing comes in lots of different forms. And perhaps the best way to think about it is to do things intentionally, to have a reason behind why you're doing everything. And that reason should be aligned with your values, your natural style, your preferences, your life your personal commitments, all of it. And I think that the advantage of doing this is that if you're designing a business that's completely aligned with you, it's, it's very you, then you'll naturally stand out in a crowded market. And clients will actually pick us because we're us, not because they've shopped around and, I don't know, let's say like we're the cheapest. They're actually going to make a conscious decision to choose us because we've made conscious decisions about how we're going to run the business and what it looks like. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think, I mean, when, you, when you're when growing a business and 
you end up with a lot of staff. It is really difficult to kind of keep on top of the time element. Because for me, time is what I'm looking for when I am designing my business or my businesses. And I think it's seasonal. I think that this can work in season. So you know how you said that um, right now you're working more than you want to, but you're kind of storing it up for later. I feel like I'm doing that a little bit now as well because I'm I'm always trying to come back to write what is it I'm trying to achieve? What's this lifestyle I'm trying to create? And it's not, it's also what kind of business are you trying to create for other people as well? Um, but a really good example is this. So I've been asked quite a lot to do one-to-ones, um, like one-to-one mentoring in Education Business Club. And oh, I just never get around to kind of booking it in because I can't find a way that I feel okay with because I'm like, oh, it's going to take up so much of my time and I'm I'm reassessing all the time. How can I make this work for my life? So I think it, it just has to become this mindset that you adopt, doesn't it? That everything has to fit around you and that's okay because otherwise it comes a lot of, um, it becomes a lot about the shoulds oh well we should do this exactly or, you know if if I offered one-to-one mentoring I, sh- I should offer it at all times of day or I should be available um maybe all days in the week but maybe I'm only going to offer it one Wednesday a week and those people who can take it will take it and those people who can't can't just like they either like you or they don't like you yeah I, I think that's really important and I think the key thing you said is that it's an ongoing mindset. It's something you have to keep checking in with because your life changes, your priorities change as time goes on, what you want changes. And so you have to keep checking in to make sure what you're doing is is fitting and is aligned with that, or at least what you're planning to do is aligned with that. And I think that another way is to really set boundaries within your business. So we talk a lot about putting boundaries around our time, but actually it's really important to put boundaries within our businesses which kind of overlaps with the concept of niching, but in my view, it's not quite the same. For instance, you know, I'm a tutor and, you know, I focus on, you know, English and that's my niche, but I also work with other tutors and education businesses and I support them with their growth. Now, I've had a couple of people who have asked me whether I would help them sell to schools. With my experience, I, I probably could, but I choose not to. So within that boundary, I'm putting another boundary. Instead, I refer them to you. Thank you. (laughs) But that boundary is really important. And and here's why it's important. Let's say I'd help somebody as a one-off or just a couple of people sell to schools and they're doing really, really well. And they're shouting about me from the rooftops. A tutor who actually represents the profile of the majority of my client base might look at that testimonial and think, wow, that's great, but I don't really want to sell to schools. So Samantha's probably not going to be right for me. And so I've actually lost a client who I want to work with just because I said yes to something I could do without putting a boundary around it. So I suppose when you're also running a business, and I think this is particularly important for people who come from an education background, a teaching background, just because you can help someone doesn't mean you should. Because by doing that, you don't, you don't then position yourself as a go-to. Instead, you become quite generic. So there is an overlap with niching here. But it's more about thinking, how can I ring fence and put a scope around what I offer so that I do become the go-to in, that, in my industry for that? 
And also I track the right clients over lots of clients because that then feeds back in the business and you attract more of them. So, you know, I said earlier, like my, in my view, designing a business manifests in so many different ways. For me, this is one of the ways is designing through putting boundaries in place as well. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I find it interesting what you're saying because um, this morning I've been chatting to Jade Mavier around Teacher Growth Club and Education Business Club and how we can make them work together because I've got multiple brands and I can be in these different businesses. Obviously, I've got Classroom Secrets as well, but it's how we make sure that when we're in those businesses, we're just talking about that one thing. And one of the things that's come up is... I can't have one Facebook page which is going to service the two the two things because it's just the wrong message. It's going to turn people yeah. off. And it's about setting those boundaries around those businesses. Even though it's not necessarily setting the boundaries around me, I have to be clear what I'm doing in this business and that business and that business and when I'm doing it. Yeah, that that's really important. And I'm glad you mentioned it actually because I think that it's a it's quite a common mistake, I think, that we make. Because when we have, when we're serving similar target audiences, but we're deciding to serve them in different ways, for efficiency, it makes sense to just pop them all on one website. Mm. But actually, if you put yourself in a consumer's point of view, you're looking for a specialist in that area. And we scan through websites, we scan through social media. So we actually need the same message being repeated over and over and over again for it to absorb you know, I, I've got friends on social media who I haven't seen for over 20 years, but I can tell you how many children they've gotten, what their names are. Yeah, yeah. Because subliminally, in a way, I keep seeing that same content. And so I'm soaking that in. And it's the same way. It's the same thing, sorry, when we're, when we're, when we've got different arms to our business. I suppose that's one way to look at it. And they do need to be treated like separate limbs and they need to be represented differently because they serve different purposes. So that, that I think that's a really insightful point. I think it's really, really important to think of them as separate entities, even if you're serving the same people. Yeah, yeah, especially if you've got, I mean, for me, that they are different companies, different brands. But really, I mean, for us, when we sell to schools, really what we're doing is selling to the teachers, getting them to believe in it, that, who will then sell to the schools. But if you were selling quite different things to schools and then to teachers, then it is worth looking at how you're going to communicate differently with those two groups of people because they're very different. And, you know, when you're talking to a teacher, that's very different from talking to a school business manager because the school business manager is not going to have the emotional connection in the same way as a teacher will to whatever yeah. it is that you're going to help them with. Yeah, and they'll have different mindsets as well. Like, you know, with Classroom Secrets, when people are downloading resources, they've got their teacher hat on. They're thinking about their students and their lessons. But when they're thinking about their well-being, that's a totally different mindset. Mm. They may not be likely to feel like they've got the headspace to even think about it while they're physically in a school setting. It might be something they look at in the evenings at home. So it's also considering the mindset of one individual that's going to be different for different products or services that we offer yeah I love that thanks I'm like right teacher growth club <laughs> uh, post on an evening <laughs> 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 oh, 
Oh, this has been so nice. Like, we're just, just two friends chatting away. Um, I'm conscious of time. I probably should wrap up. Um, but tell us, tell us, you launched a podcast recently, and I was so pleased that you did because I was like, oh, my word, there's another podcast in the education business space that I'm going to be able to guest on and <laughs> Sam's going to be able to guest on mine. So tell us all about it because I know that my listeners who don't already listen, because quite a few of them already listen to you, um, will be really interested to know. Oh, thanks, Claire. Well, firstly, I have to say huge thank you to you for cheerleading me because this took me, this was what, about six months you kept checking in with me saying... Yeah, it was so, a while. <laughs> yeah, you're like, when am I going to celebrate? When am I going to celebrate? And I kept putting it off and I'm really glad you pushed me to do it. Um, so my podcast is called Upgrade Your Education Businesses, not businesses, Upgrade Your Education Business. And it's really, it's really focused on what I've already been talking about. It's about designing your business in a way that it fits you like a glove. And in each episode, I aim to give people really actionable steps, practical and actionable steps, but without it being formulaic. So I might give you an idea that you can then shape and mold or it might give you a springboard for other ideas. So that's really my aim with the podcast. And I'm trying to cover different areas of business. Some of my episodes are very tutor focused, tuition business focused, just because I work with so many tutors. Um, but some of them are actually applicable to other education businesses and other businesses in general. Uh, my, my VA, her partner is setting up his business as a fitness coach. And she said to me that he'd been listening to a couple of them and he had got a lot of value out of them. So some of them are a little broader and some of them are very, very focused. Oh, thank you. So go and listen to that episode now because <laughs> it's been released on a Monday, same as same as this one. <laughs> so I might move it to a Sunday, but I haven't quite got around to shifting my pattern yet. But yeah, oh, at the moment, it's every Monday. Monday is the day. Yeah. Just it. But all the podcasts are released on a Monday. I didn't realise that. It's going to be on a Wednesday. Yeah. I don't know why. I think there's some science behind it. Um, I, I, I followed the instructions of the podcast coach. So. Yeah. Well, for me, it just it made practical sense because it meant I had that little weekend buffer if I need to do anything last minute. Oh, so, you, you know. shouldn't tell everybody that. <laughs> it was really practical. Your business around you and not having to work on a weekend. <laughs> I know, but it was a safety thing because it was new. But but yeah, no, I mean, I'm really glad that I'm podcasting. And if anyone, you know, who's listening is thinking of doing it, I have to say that, I don't know about you, I get loads of value from it as well. I sometimes remind myself of principles that I know, but I forget. And so in a way, it forces me to take my own advice. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and often um, I'll talk about something that's come up for me again recently, and another thing that I really like, I know that you won't do this because you're you find it easier to be clearer than I do. But um <laughs> I I really script out mine in, in quite a lot of detail. And so it does take me a bit longer, but that is really great content that's there then. It's easy to turn into a blog and I, I do the I can same come back to I it script. and then add add more depth to it when it's when it's training. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I'm doing it for myself more than anything, I think. Yeah. 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 No, I'm the yeah. same. I, I script it out as well. Otherwise I'd be, yeah. I'd have too many gaps and, um, and I'd be all messy the way I describe things. Well, I would certainly be, the, be like that. Um, so this episode is about designing your own business and also starting a podcast, <laughs> which you should do. But thank you so much for um, being my first guest as well. Thank you for having me and inviting me.
Oh. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Education Business Podcast. To get more information to grow your business, sign up at educationbusinessclub.co.uk.